Have you ever wondered where you really stand with God? Are you overcome with feelings of guilt because of things you've done wrong? Are you tired of religion that focuses on rules that you can't keep? Have we got good news for you? It's time to listen in on some casual conversation with Mike Kapler and Joel Brzezinski and discover what true freedom is all about. This is Growing in Grace. Here we go again, another week of Growing in Grace. Thanks for taking the time out. We do appreciate it. We know life is busy. and uh, Maybe you're finding a way to squeeze our podcasts into your life, and we appreciate that. I know a lot of people download them. Maybe they, uh, they listen on their walk, Joel, or or uh, whatever the case, but uh, we're glad that, uh, that you found us and uh, we hope that you'll find the time maybe to share it with somebody to let them know where they can find all of our past podcasts at growingingrace.org. Is that a new listening device, a walk, Joel? There's the Walkman, the Sony Walkman, and then there's the walk, Joel. Something like that. It was just the way you said that. I was like, what is he talking about? Oh, on their walk, comma, Joel. Yes, 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 <laughs> I yes. I understand. But yeah, people, uh, you can take us up... Um, to the top of a mountain and have a mountaintop experience with us if you want. Or if you're down in the valley, take us there with you too. We'll go wherever you go. You can count on us. Uh, last week you, you said you were going to share this story about, I, I don't even know if I'm going to say this right, but Mathibashef, which I'm not very familiar with, although I think that is a, a nice name for a child. always thought it was. No, it was Zabumafu. <laughs> people who when, when you have mentioned children. it last week at the end of last week's program i thought you started cussing for a second i thought wait wait no uh, i was just sneezing oh okay mephibosheth <laughs> no mephibosheth mephibosheth uh there's 12 letters in that name and uh yeah uh how blessed would we be if our parents would have named us that but no, it's, it's it's actually uh david king david his uh best friend was jonathan and Jonathan's son was named Mephibosheth. I'll try to go through this kind of quickly. You can look at the story. Anyone can look uh, up the story themselves in Second Samuel uh, around uh, around nine. Second Samuel nine. Uh, but you know, David showed. We were ta- We've been talking about God's kindness and and uh, why we are worthy and and how God has deemed us to be worthy, not because of anything we've done. You know, we were while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So it wasn't anything we did. That caused them to do that, but it was God's kindness, uh, and and so on. So you know, long story short, here people know about uh, David, and hopefully know about David and Saul, and how Saul was always after David. He was trying to kill David, always after him, trying to find ways to kill David for various reasons. And uh, David had made a pledge: I will never do anything to Saul. I will never kill Saul. And David even had the opportunity to kill Saul at one time, and he didn't, and and he proved that he would never do that. And so there was this animosity, nevertheless, between Saul and David, and there came a time when Saul had ended up dying, and it wasn't by David's hand, but Saul had died, and uh, his sons, some of his sons with him. And David said, and, and there was still this war going on between David's household in Saul's household, even though Saul had passed away, David said, Is there anyone still left who is in the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? One of his servants, one of the servants of the house of Saul came to him and said, There is this person, and it was uh, Mephibosheth. And what happened with Mephibosheth was that when he was a boy, long story short, he had been dropped, and both of his feet had become lame. And basically, he had become 
kind of a reject. Nobody really cared about Mephibosheth. Well, David heard about Mephibosheth, and Mephibosheth was probably thinking, oh no, you know, I've been called to the house of David. This cannot be good. There's this animosity between his household and my household. This cannot be good. And so David called to him and said, Mephibosheth, <laughs> Mephibosheth kind of fell on his face and prostrated himself before David and said, here is your servant. And David said to him, this is what is so awesome. Mephibosheth expecting horrible things to happen. David said to him, do not fear, for I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake, and will restore to you all the land of Saul, your grandfather, and you shall eat bread at my table continually. This person who considered himself as unworthy, and in fact, uh, he went on to say, you know, what is a dog like me? What is, what is your servant that you should look upon such a dead dog as I? That goes back to you know, when we were talking not too long ago about how people think of themselves as unworthy worms. You know, uh, Mephibosheth kind of thought of himself as an unworthy worm, a dead dog in front of David. And David said, I will, he said, do not fear. I will show you kindness. You're going to eat at my table for the rest of your life. You will be provided for. I will show you kindness the rest of your life. That, to me, illustrates the kindness of God. Even though we thought of ourselves as unworthy worms, even though we were sinners, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He showed us kindness, not because we were deserving of it, but because of God's kindness. And that's really uh, what I wanted to draw out of that story there. Well, that's that's a great story. I mean, and it kind of reminds me of even some of the, the parables and stories that, that Jesus told. And and so it's it just but that that's God is just full of compassion and uh, I think so many people have the wrong view of God when it comes to how He looks at them. I think that's right. And uh, and you were talking, Cap, uh, before we were recording here about the the temple tail uh, the temple veil being torn in two, and just the access that God has given us to Himself. It's just amazing what God has done for us. I'll, uh, if you want to uh, talk about that. Well, I think one of the most, uh, a phrase that you and I have used ruthlessly here on Growing in Grace, it is finished. Some of the last words of Jesus there. And at the time that he said that, I think it's one of the most significant times in, in human history. Because at the same time that Jesus died and it is finished, the temple veil was torn in two, the scriptures say, from top to bottom. There's some significance here that I'm not sure we can completely wrap our, our minds around it. But, of course, the, the, the Jewish temple, this goes way back to the time of Moses, and, and then it was just, uh, I guess, elevated even more with the Solomon's temple. But the temple um, was like, to put it in simple terms, it was like the place where, where God resided on the earth. And uh, you could go into the temple, and the priests would go into the temple because it was filled with different rooms that had doorways. But there was one room in the innermost part of the temple referred to as the Holy of Holies, where the Ark of the Covenant was kept. And only the high priest would go in there, and just once a year on the Day of Atonement. It was, it was as if this was the, the earthly throne of God in the Holy of Holies. 
And so, like I said, there were doorways in other areas of the temple, but the Holy of Holies was sealed off by a very tall uh, and a very wide and a very thick curtain. Some might say four to six inches thick. And so this is not a room that you could look into as, as uh, you might in, in other rooms of the temple because uh, not even the high priest could look upon the, the face of God or go into the presence of God and, and, and survive. And so what happened, Joel, was there's uh, a lot of this in the Old Testament, some very, uh, some very vivid details of how the high priest had to go through this lengthy, uh, rigorous cleansing process or some sort of ritual before entering the Holy of Holies each year. Um, and even then, after going through all of that, which we won't go into right now, uh, the other priests, you know, they would tie a rope around, uh, around the high priest, like around his ankle, so that if he were to die there in the presence of God because, they, because the high priest did something wrong or wasn't cleansed properly or whatever, then they could pull him back out because other priests could not go in there or they, they could die too. And so that's what... They, they would do. They would tie this rope to him, and they might have a bell or something on, so they, they knew that they were still moving around. And so there was these examples uh, in the Old Testament, too, where uh, unqualified people uh, got too close to God. Uh, simply touching the ark could have brought death to one of the ark bearers, I think. I can't remember what book that was in. And one of Aaron's sons died when they entered the Holy of Holies. And so that gives you an idea of what was going on there. So what did this curtain represent? I think you could probably make the case that, at least you could make the case, that uh, sin uh, is is what the curtain represented. Uh, sin at that time was something that, that brought a partition between us and God. I'm not necessarily talking about individual sins, but the fact that we were also born into it through Adam. And so um, the gospel, according to John, when Jesus was, was talking about being glorified, he was talking about his death on the cross. And that was his mission, was, was to be sacrificed so that we could be cleansed uh, of all of our sins and come into a new birth in, in Christ, uh, in, in something different than what we were in Adam. And so when Jesus said, it is finished, the veil of this temple, this very thick curtain, was torn in two from top to bottom. And that's very important because the curtain was quite tall. Uh, so it wasn't being ripped by men from the bottom up. And uh, so this, this was torn in two, it was destroyed, and this was what separated us, symbolically at least, between us and God, and it was removed. And now the heaven's gates were now opened wide, and it's an awesome event that I think is uh, sometimes overlooked, but I, to me, it's one of the most significant things that has happened in our history. I really do think it is too, and uh, like you say, I, I like how you talked about how there were there were various things under the old covenant by by which you know if if people would do certain things they died or, or something bad would happen to them they had to have perfect sacrifices and you know the priest had to go in and he had to be with a perfect sacrifice like you said they wrapped that rope around him because if uh, the sacrifice wasn't just perfect then uh, he would end up dying, and they would have to pull his body out. But the wonderful thing that has happened, and, and, and I think the sad thing is that people still think of God that way. They look at that story, at these stories, and they think, if I do a certain thing, if I do a certain thing wrong, then God's going to get me for it. But the significance of the, of the veil being torn in two is that, like you say, that problem has been taken care of, and we now have free access to God. Now, I heard someone the other day, or I saw somebody write the other day that, isn't it wonderful that we can 
enter into the Holy of Holies whenever we want to. And that's a nice thought, and that's what I used to think, but I've come to see now, it's not that we get to enter in whenever we want to. It's that we are already seated in the Holy of Holies with God. We're seated in heavenly places with Christ. We're seated with God already right now. It's not that we get to go in whenever we want to. It's that we have already been brought into the Holy of Holies. We have been made one spirit with God. And that's good news. You know, we don't have to worry about whether something we do or don't do is going to cause God to to turn on us or, or cause something bad to happen to us. We can rest in godly assurance with God's very own assurance that he gives us that we're safe with him. Yeah, and the thing that kept us uh, separate from him before the, the sacrifice of Christ, sin, was dealt with. That's good news, to know that that will no longer affect my relationship with God ever again for the rest of eternity. Yes, indeed, it really is good news, Cap. And here, even with this good news, here's something that people still kind of wonder about and worry about. Does God still get angry with us when we sin? Is is God's anger and wrath something that we as Christians need to fear or worry about? We'll talk about that next week right here on Growing in Grace at growingingrace.org. This has been Growing in Grace with Mike Kapler and Joel Brzezinski. Heard online through various internet sources around the world each week. To access hundreds of past programs, visit graceroots.org. Share it with a friend and listen again next week for more Growing in Grace.